Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive podcast. It's Chris Howard from Lace Partners here. Thank you very much for joining us once again. And I am joined in the uh, hot seat, co-partner of mine for our podcast. It's our co-founder and managing director for today's Spinwag is Aaron Aubrey. Aaron, you all right? Yeah, Chris, great to see you again. Yes, good to see you two again, although you're in Lisbon, so we are seeing each other from quite a distance away. First international podcast since covid Yes, indeed. The first international one. So I'm really looking forward to this one because we're going to be talking wellness and well-being. And that's a really interesting topic because there's been so much talked about it in the press amongst HR professionals and particularly over the last two years or probably year and a half that we've had it, it's really come to the forefront of a lot of businesses' minds. So what we wanted to do on today's podcast is get somebody in who has been there, seen it, done it, and won won the award even, or one one award's certainly been shortlisted for them. So for today, so today's podcast, we've got Dr. Tracy Leghorn, who is the Chief HR and HNF Officer at Sewers. Tracy, hello, welcome. Thank you very much. And thank you for inviting me to have a great discussion with you around wellness. Yes. And we're really looking forward to this one, aren't we, Aaron? So actually, I'm going to let you do the first kicking off because I've done at least a minute and a half of chatting. um, And it's not me that people are here to listen to. It's actually Tracy. But if you want to fire your first kind of thought towards Tracy, but before we do that, Tracy, if you can just give us a little bit of background on yourself and your sort of history uh, for our listeners and then also a little bit about sewers as well that'd be great yeah no problem at all so you know I've been HR now over 20 years didn't necessarily plan to be in HR but I'm really pleased that that's where my career took me I've worked in the public and the private sectors uh, in every type of NHS uh, trust that there is uh, or just about in local government but more recently back in the private sector in organisations such as Compass Group and prior to joining Sewers with PwC as a consultant there in their people and organisation side of that business. With regards to Sewers Recycling and Recovery UK, well, what do we do? Well, we deliver innovative and environmentally responsible solutions to help manage waste for our customers. And they might be households, local authorities, or any of our 30,000 industrial and commercial customers. And that's everything from your corner shop to perhaps some national contracts. We have uh, 5,600 employees working across 300 sites, turnover just upward of 900 million. And those sites might be anything from a household waste recycling centre to our processing centres where we extract all that good stuff out of waste, that plastic and aluminium so we can use it again, through to our energy from waste plants, which obviously create energy electric for the national grid. Fantastic, Tracy. Fantastic to have you here with us today. And 
great to hear about Suez as well. I, I think when we were talking pre the podcast, sounds like we could have a podcast alone on just the story of Suez and how it, how it's developed as a business over time. Maybe that's one for a future podcast. For this one, I, I, I know we want to talk about the Wellness for All program, and I'm I'm really interested to know how, what sort of created that aware that momentum in the business to do something around wellness for all and what what started that and how did you proceed with it uh, and and certainly when we have spoken to other uh, hr leaders one of the challenges i think we find is that wellness is a great initial initiative but can peter off and i think you have some some innovative ways of, of keeping people engaged around that i'd love to hear more yeah i think you know i'm naturally very drawn to well-being and i think a lot of that does come from the fact that you know i've spent 14 years of my career in the nhs and local government in in sort of social services and, and other areas and you know, I can see the impact that well-being has both positively and negatively on individuals, on teams and on businesses and ultimately on business performance as well. When I joined Suez, you know, there was a well-being group, but it was struggling. And I've seen this in other organisations, you know, good ideas that they just can't get off the ground or there isn't the budget for it or there's not the senior level support and clearly when I walked into Suez that senior level support for health and safety but that extending into well-being was absolutely there from the get-go. Health and safety very very important to our business we work in the second most dangerous industry or sector to work in but you need to go beyond compliance and you need to extend that into well-being. How how did I you know go about really creating that? Well, in order for people to be engaged with something, they need to be part of creating it. And, and so really it was about engaging with the well-being group that we had already. And I went to them and we talked about wellness and we talked about what does it look like in this organization at the moment. I actually asked them to draw it in diagrams and, and visually. Uh, and then actually, well, what, what would we want well-being to look like? And, and we asked them to draw that as well. And we, we used that to get a really starting point. We had lots and lots of ideas. From that, we then engaged with our works council. And we said, look, we've got all these ideas and thoughts on wellness from our current well-being group. You know, what are your thoughts on that? And actually, our works council came up with the uh, wellness for all uh, theme and we we looked at you know what should be the domains within our wellness charter and there could have been 30 of them but we went with a particular eight that were important to them in fact there was more than eight and we put them on the wall and we asked everyone to vote on which were most important so again it really was about engaging people and it being theirs not something that's done to them. Within the charter, we've got eight domains. That's emotional, mental well-being, physical health, social well-being, financial, work environment and job-related well-being, and also diversity and inclusion. Our people were saying, actually, wellness is where diversity and inclusion should sit uh, as part of that as well. And that was slightly different than I've always done it before, to be honest. I've always sort of had those in tandem, but they went, no, 
actually wellness should encompass diversity and inclusion. And if you think about those domains there, um, you can see that they reflect really our philosophy that firstly within the wellness charter, charter you know, well-being is an individual's responsibility. That's the first uh, item in our charter. The second part, though, in our charter, the second item, is that wellness extends beyond the workplace. And that's been quite key in the approach that we've taken, those two uh, elements. Our charter, it's on one page, one side of A4, very simple, very straightforward. We don't need a massive convoluted strategy that nobody uh, reads. We want something that can be out and visible around our 300 sites and that people can remember. Um, having done that, we then actually got people together from our business and we took them out to a, a really nice spa hotel, took them away from their day job, all levels of the organisation across all the different types of roles. And we we built on those two phases of work we'd already done. So we didn't ask them to start again. We said, we've got this work in progress. We want now for you to help us complete that. And that is how we uh, arrived at our wellness charter. Every word written by our people, by our employees, for our employees. Such a great process to have gone through, Tracy. And so, as you say, so inclusive, which is really interesting. And we're going to come back, I think, and talk and understand a bit more about the domains because you've got a real breadth in that. I'm really interested to hear how you've approached some of those and some of those are outside of what people would see potentially as traditional well-being. So it was quite interesting to come back on that. I'm also struck, as you described sewers, by what must be a breadth of different types of employees you have. Some are very connected to the organisation electronically, some will not be because of the sites they're working on, a type of environment. It sounds like as you created a wellness for all, you engaged all of those different parts of your organisation. Did you see much difference in their requirements around well-being? I think there was a common theme that came through at the time, and this was even pre-pandemic. This was uh, in uh, 2019, September-ish, 2019, and was around mental health. That was a real key theme. And another key theme was, you know, we, we, we don't want any bullying and we don't want any harassment and we don't want bad behaviours in this organisation. Mm-hmm. Um, that isn't to say that you know we have a lot of those, but that was something that they wanted to clearly make a statement about, and that's what led to obviously having diversity and inclusion as, as one of our domains. Uh, okay, really were key themes. The other, incidentally, was about work-life balance, which I think you know over the course of the pandemic that's helped to contribute to you know some different ways of working and some smarter working for the future can i just ask a quick question on that one then since the pandemic have you seen people become more engaged with all of those eight areas and the different sort of bits that you mentioned which i I think what's fascinating what you mentioned was more than just your work like the emotional the the mental the financial and recognizing that as a business is is really really important and i was just uh, reflecting there and thinking i wonder how many people became more engaged with that during the pandemic from your perspective and what you saw i think people have become extremely engaged in our well-being program and also we've done a lot around inclusion and diversity as well over the course of the last year i think at the start of the pandemic, you know, in February when it was first being spoken about and some of my former NHS colleagues were 
were talking about it, I got a sense of there's something serious happening. Um, when I was with the ambulance service for nine years, you know, we planned for every type of catastrophic event, including pandemic. And so I could see those signs of the NHS starting to gear themselves up through the conversations that I was having. And, you know, when I talked to our new chief at ZAC, he'd just been promoted uh, a, a month before, you know, I, I said, my experience in being in a pandemic tells me that you know, we are going to need to support people's well-being, whether this turns out to be a week, a month or, you know, something that has longevity. And, you know, we really need to start doing that now. We need to help people proactively to build their resilience and their ability to cope with what might come ahead. Often people in uh, intense situations can cope in the moment. Their adrenaline helps them cope. Their survival instincts help them cope. And it's actually after the event that things come back to haunt them. So I don't think our well-being agenda, you know, in this country or indeed across the world, you know, is going to stop when things get better around the pandemic. It's actually, it's ahead of us, the issue. And so I've been wanting to be very proactive around well-being and you know because we had the mental health theme already coming through clearly that was somewhere we we needed to focus so one of the first things that i did uh, last year was actually engage with a partner to help deliver and support us around mental health and i took quite a bit of time to find the partner that i felt was right for me um, mm -hmm. that I felt I could work with because I had quite strong views around mental health. I've worked in a mental health NHS trust and clearly in ambulance services, they deal with pretty challenging situations. So I had some, I'm not an expert, but I, I had some clear views on it and I found a fantastic partner in Simon Richardson Excellent. from Golden Tree. Fantastic. Fantastic. And it's and certainly is I, I love what you said there, Tracy, and I think you're spot on, which is you know, it's, it's the next 12 to 18 months, I think, is when the country is going to see and businesses will see the real impact of COVID as people start to readjust to new ways to the ways of working. Anxiety levels will go up, I'm sure, as people start coming together in groups again and people start adjusting and taking their own personal perspective on how to manage it. But a lot of the experiences that people have had and in a lot of cases isolation of individuals, you know, it, it takes time for that to surface and, and come through. And I think as you say, businesses need to lean in over the next 12 to 18 months into this agenda. And if you think about our domains, you know, what are the challenges ahead for people? Economic challenges, mm -hmm. you know, huge economic challenges. We hear yeah. now, you know, our utility bills are going up. The support that's been there from government that was needed, clearly it has to end at some point in time. The pandemic has to be paid for and that is going to hurt some people. So we've really got to think what we can do as organisations to support people in that space. A couple of things that we did, you know, for our Wellness for All work was in bringing in a provider that allows people to have access to their month's salary 
ahead of payday. You know, we need to manage that responsibly, but we wanted to avoid anyone getting into payday loan situations, bringing in a provider to help people save for their future, which provides all the benefits. And also, you know, uh, using a platform, a benefits provider called Reward Gateway. We brand it up as you at Suez. And that, again, provides some financial sort of discounts and incentives. But more importantly for us, it provides also a platform for us to present our well-being support as well. And actually, it was interesting that when we launched that, 44% of people went into the well-being part of that platform, um, as opposed to going into you know, the normal store discounts. So that was telling us this is something that's important to people. It's really interesting, you, as you say, around the financial, and certainly it's something I've seen in the market as as an HR professional. Is this uh, increased focus on set on in within month access to pay, so individuals can get advanced payments and and how to do that in a responsible way. Uh, and I think it just tie and it ties in with something else you've talked about a lot as through this podcast so far. And I think it's as you say, top of the charter, it's the individual's responsibility and wellness goes beyond the workplace. There's a fine line between providing support and empowering people and enabling them and at the same time helping them understand that they have an accountability and a responsibility themselves to doing this and have you how have you found treading that line i actually think people acknowledge that ultimately it's their responsibility you know to to look after their own well-being you know we talk about you know putting your own mask on first uh, in the airplane before you can help other people uh, and that is really really important um i mean at the end of the day you know that view came from our own people not from me so you know that was there and understood but i think as organizations we can help people to help themselves I think, you know, what I've learned over the years, and believe me, I've done wellness programs before and failed abysmally, you know, is that we've got to remember that people are individuals and they, they need different things and different things are important to them. So it's about variety. I do a web webinar every Friday. I do that personally myself. I think we've done maybe 70 now. Uh, we do those live on a Friday, record them obviously for people uh, to watch at different times so it's accessible. But I've been very keen to have a wide range of subject areas and I'm really not too bothered about numbers because if only 13 people watch that wellness webinar but it's something that's important to them and will impact them to yeah. do something to live a healthier life or you know to to have better mental health then that is all that's important to me yeah yeah it's really interesting actually you just and you mentioned earlier you know 44 percent of people on the reward gateway platform looking at the well-being side and what was just popped into my head as you were saying that and 
as you just evidenced from the webinars, was how easy did you find it to get that user adoption almost of the platforms? Did, was it quite natural and organic the way in which it came about? Did you guys have to do lots of different activities to make people aware of all of the different different ways in which they can get that support? How easy was it to uh, to get people using it to tell to communicate that to to staff? I mean, we've got a fantastic communications team at Suez, but their job is a tough one because 4,000 of our employees, you know, are frontline workers uh, and they're not sat at a computer. That's not the job that they do. So, you know, the audience uh, for those people that, you know, are spending time, you know, at a computer, they're easier to capture. Getting the messages out to frontline staff, that's quite different. The good mm. thing about our uh, U at Suez platform is, is it is accessible through people's phones. Uh, they don't need to have a company email to access it. And so actually, it became a really good communications tool as well. You know, let's hook people in with the benefits. And they are particularly good compared to other benefits providers. And let's use that as a way to get people habit forming of going in there. And then we can have messages in there as well. So all our chief executives messages that we've delivered over the course of the pandemic are, are in there as well. So it really is sort of helping in a multi-dimensional way. And I guess that's one of the questions I, I had for you, Tracy, which is building, I think, a little bit on, on Chris's there, which is, you know, you've clearly achieved great things. And you'd say a part of that is, is undoubtedly because it was written by your employees for themselves and they've taken that ownership and accountability. But for you going through this process with Suez and with the, with the employees that you've worked with, what's, what's been your personal takeaway? What's been your biggest learning? My biggest learning is that, you know, you can't force well-being on people. You know, you have to provide something that then helps them make a decision to act in some way. And to do that, the best way to do that is to ask employees what they want. So, you know, our weekly Wellness for All webinars are predominantly through people making suggestions to say, this is an issue that's important to me. Could we have a wellness webinar on this? Uh, and we then go out and find a provider. Often they've seen something elsewhere and they say, you know, could you get this person in? Because, you know, I went to a webinar or uh, you know, something and, and they impressed me and I think this will be helpful for the rest of the organisation. And when you then start saying, well, this idea came from X and or this idea came from Y, thank you, people feel empowered to make suggestions themselves as well. And so the momentum is built up through your people, not driven from the top. And that's the important part of really getting it to resonate. Now, during the COVID, we, we did some additional sort of surveying. And, you know, what our people were saying was, it feels different here. I feel that people care about my well-being in a way that perhaps wasn't there before. We always had this safety culture, but on the well-being side, and perhaps to be honest, on the inclusion side, we have work to do. And what they were saying was, this was even in the middle of last year, even when the pandemic finishes, please don't turn off this well-being programme. 
because I want it. And we were asked so much, myself and John, our chief executive, receiving emails daily saying, I really want this to continue. Can you promise us that this is going to continue after the pandemic? Which, of course, you know, we have. Yeah. Do you know, it's really interesting. You just touched on that. So I'm just going to kind of probe a little bit more if that's okay, because I've just written down how important is that culture that you've built up in maintaining momentum, you know, that people want to do this? You know, how important is it that people, uh, the the culture that has been built in the business makes it accessible, makes people feel like they they do they feel included and inclusive it's really really important i mean i came into the office this morning i was stood at reception you know catching up with uh, our receptionist seeing how she was and and actually you know one of our people you know sort of came through the door then and he said oh tracy you know i've not seen you for a while other people but actually i just wanted to say how much and how important the wellness webinars and the guidance and support was last year and that i'd sat i'd sit down with my headphones on at lunchtime and listen to them and they were really valuable to me so people are having conversations about it all the time and that's what helps you know generate that momentum because ultimately organizations are nothing more than a series of conversations people having conversations about things and as leaders you need to think what conversations as leaders you need to ask yourself what conversations are happening and what conversations do I want to be happening and you then take steps to have those conversations happen. And you've mentioned leaders a couple of times, Tracy, and I just want to just pick up on that point because I think you mentioned it right at the start of describing the wellness for all um, agenda and charter, which is the importance of having visible leadership on in this process. And has has that changed over the period of putting in the wellness charter to, to the organisation? Have you had more engagement from the leadership team? Have you, have you seen a change there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, myself and my colleagues uh, and John, our chief executive, are really passionate about this agenda. You know, once we started to get it off the ground and the response was so positive, you know, emails after the webinars, emails after we'd sent guidance out, emails around the positivity and the structure of how we communicated things during COVID. It was hard not to actually get excited and engage about it. And actually, you know, what's better as a leader than actually having absolute freedom to do whatever you want? And a boss that's saying, I love it, do more. Yeah. You know, it's hard not to be able to be successful in that space, particularly when actually you're reaching out to 5,600 people and saying, help me, give me your ideas. And they are then seeing those ideas turn into reality. Now, I think, you know, just to really focus on accessibility because that's really challenging Mm -hmm. is that yeah we record everything we try and put it out through different you know communication channels interesting a lot of people you know do see what we're doing around wellness through my posts on LinkedIn because lots of people that's where they are and that's where they hang out but also we have you know put on wellness sessions outside of hours and at the weekends as well. 
And that's really important. I think as well, other things that we've done is make them bite size. You know, keep 15 minute bite size, three 15 minutes instead of asking someone to commit an hour. Short, brief, engaging. Yeah, it's, it's really it's really interesting, and I think your your point about the different channels and accessibility and, and ties really nicely in with that whole DNI element of your charter, doesn't it? And really sort of being inclusive of the different uh, different parts of your organisation and different ways people engage and learn and and want to take on board. I, I'm also, also I think also I think when you talk about leadership, you know, we shouldn't assume that we know. We shouldn't assume that we know our people, what's important to them. And and one of the things that we did around sort of me- the mental health awareness week was we uh, held some meetings with people from our business who were happy to talk about mental health with us as board members. So, you know, we had sessions where we asked them to share their lived experiences around mental health. And it's very humbling and extremely insightful. I think you'd be hard pressed as a human being to come out of a meeting with people from your business that have shared intimate and challenging parts of their life with you and not want to do something about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, certainly, I think we in Inside Lace have also run similar sessions and they're the ones that I think have been the ones that people have just talked about most over the time and stuck with them, you know, because it's that real resonance with a personal experience that someone is feels safe enough to share that really sticks with people. I think it's the, the, and, and help, I think, acts as that catalyst for change for people. I was going to ask you a question, Tracy, which is I, I, with other discussions with people I've seen, People refer to the fact that language changes in their organisation once they start this process. It's a tra- there's a transparency that comes with being open around wellness in a genuine way and a language that changes. And so things that people felt difficult at times historically to articulate just become easier to talk about. It becomes an easier dialogue to have. I'm assuming you've seen similar. Yes, and it circles back to what I was saying about organisations, you know, just being really a system of conversations. People are having different conversations and they're talking about diversity and they're talking about inclusion and they're talking about well-being. What's really important in the wellness agenda is that it's not senior leaders looking like they're telling people how they should live their lives. And actually, in a lot of the transformation work and programs that I've done in my career, and I've done, you know, a lot of major transformation pieces, sort of what I've got a reputation for, I know that telling that transformation story, and in this case, telling the wellness story, through the voices of your people, is so powerful. So, for Mm. instance, around, you know, mental health uh, awareness week, we asked our people, you know, to put together, you know, some blogs, some video blogs around their experience that they'd be prepared to share. And it was fantastic to get some of our frontline male, middle-aged males talking so candidly and openly about this situation there's nothing more powerful than that. 
Yeah, it really does bring together, makes it all real. You know, people are looking at it thinking there are other people out there in within my own business that are experiencing these same thoughts and feelings as well. Well, we're just coming towards the end of the podcast, but I just wanted to take an opportunity to to thank you, Tracy, for sharing some of your your stories and some of the some of the stuff that you guys have been doing at Suez. It's been a really, really interesting insight into I'm going to say best practice within this space because there are lots of organisations I think that can that can learn from some of the stuff that you're uh, that you're talking about. So, do uh, do you you're obviously on LinkedIn? So can people find you just uh, if they do a search for Dr. Tracy Leghorn? I'd imagine if they wanted to connect and ask you a little bit more about what you guys are up to from that perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that. I love connecting with people, happy to support well-being or indeed anything else HR people related. So uh, please don't hesitate to do that. Well, we'll certainly have you on again to chat, to put the world to rights about a whole gamut of different HR related uh, HR related challenges that we're seeing. But just um, on behalf of obviously Aaron and myself, just wanted to say thank you very much for joining us today. Wonderful. Thanks for inviting me. And we will speak to you all next time on the HR on the Offensive podcast. Bye-bye.